because I went through a break, you know, not talking to my family as much and everything. Once I brought that back in and then admitted that I was struggling, then they felt comfortable enough to say, okay, we're here for you. You know what I mean? The hardest thing I went through was just admitting I was struggling. This is episode number 139 with Noah Galloway. You're listening to American Snippets, the all-American podcast for those looking to dream bigger, live better, and make an impact. What is going on, America? Welcome back to another episode of American Snippets. Once again, my name is Dave Brown. I'm here with my co-host and partner, Barbara Allen. We have another killer guest for you here today, an exceptional American, a tremendous story that you're absolutely going to love. But first, you know, Barb and I hope you all are staying safe and healthy. Uh, this current crisis is is really something, uh, the coronavirus and, and the crisis caused by this COVID-19 is absolutely wreaking havoc on the physical, emotional, and financial health of people all across this country uh, and across the world. And, and it's easy to let that uncertainty, that fear, and that frustration lead to overwhelming sadness and anxiety and depression. But our guest on this episode wants you to know how to combat that depression before it becomes overwhelming. Noah Galloway lost his arm and leg in military service and spent years living under the weight of the resulting depression. He became the first veteran and amputee to be featured on the cover of Men's Health magazine, earning him the title of the ultimate guy in 2014. Today, he's an author, speaker, philanthropist, and among the most inspirational competitors to have competed on Dancing with the Stars. His experience battling his own depression allows him to guide others through their own struggles. And in this episode, he gets real about the lessons he's learned. So without further ado, here is my partner in crime, Barbara Allen, with Noah Galloway. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Welcome to another episode of American Snippets. I am your co-host, Barb Allen. We are doing this a little bit differently today. We figure since these are some different times, we're going to do things a little differently ourselves and shake it up on purpose, our own way, instead of the world shaking it up for us. We're here today with Noah Galloway, who is freaking amazing, if you have not heard of him. I don't know, Noah, how like I missed you on my radar for this long, but I'm so glad my radar swung around and found you because once I did, I saw so many things about you, A, that I just connect with and resonate with, but B, which I think have huge value for everybody else to do. And I always love, especially to connect with our veterans, especially our combat veterans who've given so much for us and see them, see you just doing well in life after all you've been through, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities that you gave so much for to provide for everybody else. And we're super excited to have you here today. I'm not going to go into your laundry list here. I mean, I could talk about how, um, you know, you joined the military after 9-11. You've been on Dancing with Stars, Men's Health, Ellen, all that jazz. But I'm going to let you take us through that. All right. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on and for what you said. I have had some great opportunities that have come my way and I have. I've taken advantage of those every time they've happened. I was in college when 9-11 happened. Yeah. And when I saw that live on television, actually, when I saw that second plane hit is when I knew this was going to this was big and I needed to join the military. So I joined the military, infantry soldier, airborne, all that ended up with the 101st uh, General Petraeus was our division commander in 2003 when we invaded Iraq. And I went back in 2005 for my second appointment and was hit by a roadside bomb and lost my left arm above the elbow and my left leg above the knee. Some severe injuries to my right leg and right hand. My jaw was shattered, but all that was fixed. And I did go through a lot of struggles and depression. I've been very open and honest about talking, sharing with people. I wrote a book, Living With No Excuses, and I talk a lot about that depression that I went through and struggles I made and well, bad decisions I made. But... I had my three kids that I credit for changing who I was, wanting to be a better person, getting better shape, started running races, also course races, marathons. That landed me the cover of Men's Health. That took me to Ellen 
and from Ellen, all these TV shows wanted me and I kept turning them down. Survivor, another show wanted me. I didn't want to leave my kids for that long. Yeah. This was five years ago. They're even younger than they are to now. They're 10, 12 and 15 now, but they're all five years younger. And I turned all those shows down and then Dancing with the Stars called and wanted me, wanted to put me in a house in LA. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't leave the state for that long here in Alabama. And they adjusted to that and the dancer moved to Birmingham and this is where we rehearsed all week and flew back and forth to the live show. And here I am today. And here you are today. <laughs> well, that was a, a great summary and then it begs like about 900 million questions, but I'll just pull some <laughs> relevant ones. Okay. Back to, so I'm a mom now. I have four boys and they're 21, 20, 18 and 16. So it's like a oh, different... Wow age for me. Um, you know, I raised them on my own. My husband died in Iraq um, in 2005. So I used to just relate to like being a, a wife and, and wondering, like having my husband go. But now when I talk to people like you and you're like, I was 20 years old and I saw this decision. Now I'm like, oh my God, that's my son. You know, I see like, I, you know, I'm looking at it differently from a different lens. And I'm yeah. wondering like, what what did your family say when you're like, Hey, I know I'm in college, but I'm just going to leave college and well, carry in the most so, dangerous time. Yeah. Well, see, before that happened, my mother is a military brat and she was always telling me that I should join the military, okay. that I would, I would enjoy it. And I was like, I don't think so. You know, because everyone has this idea of the military because I've seen movies and it's, it's not, you know, I mean, everyday life when you're in active duty, you got other things you do. Um, but I didn't see myself fitting in that world. My uncle was a Vietnam is a Vietnam veteran that was a paratrooper. And so he always told me to go airborne infantry if I ever joined the military. So when this moment happened and I knew there was a good possibility we were going to war, well, then suddenly I saw a reason to go in. Well, then, you know, my mom, who was always wanting to go in the military, she was proud, but she was terrified. I remember we couldn't leave Port Campbell that Christmas before we invaded Iraq. So my parents came to visit me and me and my mom just went on a drive by ourselves. And I made sure to tell her that I made this decision that no matter what happens to me, I chose it. You know, we got emotional and everything was good. And, you know, so they, it was, they were nervous, but it was also something they knew that I would fit into it when I got there. I loved it. I had to call my mom and apologize for not joining sooner. Wow. I'm just picturing that drive again. Like it's yeah. tough. It's from, tough. I from don't think mother, you know, yeah. I didn't know how tough it was to be on in the United States when other people deployed until I got injured and yeah. I was in the hospital and all my men were still in Iraq. That's way worse than being in combat. Yeah. I, I bet it is emotionally, you know, if it, mm -hmm. well, if you weren't such a slacker, you know, just laying there without an arm and a leg. <laughs> I think, you know, maybe you wouldn't have let them go back on your own. I mean, Jesus. So, I mean, do you ever look back? I can imagine like waking up on Christmas of all days to mm -hmm. find out because you had no idea what happened to you. Like you just no. woke up like Merry Christmas and not so much. But like, but like, I mean, are you able to look back? Do you look back now at all and still like, man, that sucked? Or you're like, well, you know, that really was a pretty good gift that I woke up on Christmas. Like, you know, well, how do you so two things happened one i don't remember any of it i was yeah. knocked unconscious so my biggest concern was if i'm missing two of my limbs and all these other injuries what happened to everyone else in the vehicle no one in the hospital had those answers but then my platoon leader lieutenant jerry edson called me he was in the humvee with me and he wow. assured me that i was the only one that was injured everything hit me the entire explosion hit me through this nine thousand vehicle off the road into a canal they had injuries, but nothing as extreme and no one died. So that relieved me. Um, yeah. The other thing was, I don't know why, but I just had this, when I was in Iraq, we had, would have bombs go off. Things would happen. One of our guys had one go off and hit him in the face. And I remember thinking, I just don't ever want to go blind. You know what I mean? Like everyone has their thing. You know what I mean? Yep. A yes. blind person may have thought, well, as long as I didn't lose all my limbs, you know right. what I mean? So yeah. you all have something. And when I woke up, I was like, well, I guess I can go off of this. And one thing that really helped me through it was I didn't have to be in the vehicle that night. I chose to be there. I wanted to be there. Um, I 
I had one of the moments where it's like, you know, if it would have been the other way around, I could have thought, why them? Why not me? Well, I had that opportunity. I grew up with a father with one arm who did construction. So I had this, not that I'm any stronger or tougher than any of the men I served with, but I don't want them to have have to have lost any limbs when I have seen how it works and can adjust to it. Does that make any sense? It does. It does actually in a weird way. And I'm like, you just, I think in my mind, I'm thinking like maybe to you, like, oh man, this, this sort of sucks, right? Like obviously it sucks, but it's normal as well. Like it's not, yeah, it wasn't, like, too... it may be so shocking to someone else. You're like, oh, well, you know, like some part of your brain was maybe able to connect. With well, yeah. Even when my dad was at the hospital visiting me, all the other amputees from combat wanted to meet my dad because he'd had 40 years of missing yeah. his hand. So it was really good for me and other veterans in the hospital to have that. And for me, it was, you know, I had this moment where I was like, my dad's been successful with one hand. I'll be twice as successful missing arm and a leg. Now I had those <laughs> thoughts in the hospital, but they came and went. I mean, one moment I was like, I'm fine. I'm going to be okay. The next minute I'm angry. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm upset. I'm mad. I'm wishing I would have just, if I'd have just died over there, I'd have been looked at like a hero instead of this person missing two limbs. I mean, there was emotions going all over the place for several months. I bet. I mean, how can there not be, right? And I think it's so great <laughs> that, you, that you talk about that because um, I know I know that people, you know, I, I know a lot of people have been through a lot of stuff, right? And even people I don't know message me. And I think one of the recurring things I see in here, and even I felt myself, is you sort of, you feel like you're weak or you feel like you're a loser or you're doing it wrong if you get angry or if you feel bad for yourself. You're like, Oh, you know, I shouldn't feel bad for myself or like I should get up and push myself even though it hurts. Right? Or I'll tell you one, on ourselves. Yeah. I'll tell you one that people overlook, you know, you, you're, you grow up and told not to don't cry. You know, I wants yeah. to cry baby, but I'll tell you what my anger issues went down when I allowed the emotion to come out that I needed to let out. Your emotions are going to come out. And if you hold in that sadness, it's going to come out as anger. And once I got over that, I mean, it, it, it really changed a lot. Sometimes, you know, you just need a moment to cry. <laughs> Seriously. And I, like, I remember when I was in the deep of it and even now, like for me, you know, all these years later, it, it was like ambush you and catch up with you. Right. And you get to mm-hmm. the point, I think once you learn to recognize that, and it's so key, like people think like they can't handle it. It's just, you just, you just have to understand how to handle it. I used to be like, Look, I have to, I have about three and a half more hours before I'm going to have a few minutes alone. So I'll just file that away. But as soon as I'm alone, I'm like, I got six minutes to cry. Let's get it on. Right. Like, and so, <laughs> like you You're cry. Done. Yeah. And like, let's, yeah. let's go, you know, and you get all nasty, but you got to get it out. Exactly. Exactly what you said. And I think it's such a simple concept, but it's so huge. And I mean, if your body it, wants to have emotion release, yeah. there's a reason for it. Holding yeah. it back. Yeah, you may not want to break down crying in the middle of Walmart, but I've done you know, it. I shop right. I, yeah. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But there's nothing wrong with awesome. getting somewhere that you feel comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love and I think especially there's a double standard for men, right? Mm-hmm. Like people expect the the women to cry almost, but there can be a Well, I'll tell you what though, I I can't see a grown man cry. It'll break me down. Because it's yeah. like, I, I get the feeling like if that man is crying, it must be big. You know what I mean? Which is not always true, but it's just, I don't know, something about a grown man crying. I can't handle it. Yeah. It's just strong. It'll make me cry. Yeah. Well, I mean, has that <laughs> happened to people? Do, have you been like, do you work with people or have you talked with people or other veterans or peers where you've had people? Some emotional them? conversations yeah. I have. Yeah. And it's been really good. I'll tell you what, I've, I've talked to some amazing kids. That have been through a lot. I do a lot with schools, elementary schools. Oh, I love and it's it. yeah. funny when I give speeches and people are like, what kind of questions do kids ask? And what they ask the exact same questions. These are these are just smaller adults. Like they've got a lot going on in their heads. And I have met some, I met a girl the other day who, when we were talking, I was there just to read a Dr. Seuss book, but then we we're doing QA and depression came up. And this girl asked me, she said, Have other things depressed you other than missing arm leg? I was like, Yes. I mean, there's something that can happen in our daily life that can upset us and you have to be aware of that and we should always have a parent or a teacher or a friend we can turn to but then afterwards that girl came up to me and said that 
she had had something with her father happen about a year ago and she went through depression and we talked about it. She got help. And I was like, how are you doing now? She said, I'm doing good. Then this other little girl ran up and hugged her and said, I lost my father around the same time she lost hers last year. And I was like, Oh man, it hit me. And I was like, are y'all really close now? And they go, yeah, we are. I was like, that's really good. We won't talk about, I had to fight that one because that one hit me right in the heart. Yeah. I bet. And, but that's good that if it's hitting you like that, I love that you're open to that and that you're like cool with saying that because I also think, A, it's great for you. Mm-hmm. B, it helps other people. And it shows like you're just, you're just opening yourself and you're not hiding from all this anymore. No. And I, I just having like, it, it sounds so little again, but it's such a great achievement, <laughs> I think. Well, I, well I, you know, I've always appreciated people that were, comfortable enough to share their, their dark times because, you know, those things help me, they help other yeah. people and not everybody's willing to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. And everybody wants to air out their dirty laundry, but people that are comfortable sharing it, you never know who is going to benefit from it. Is there someone other than your dad um, that was able to kind of mentor you through any part of your Life my your, uncle, your my uncle that uh, was in Vietnam, Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, he and I became really close, just talking about different things and, and sharing different stories or how we feel about things. You know, he's been really good for me in that sense. So I've, so I've had a really good, I mean, I have three sisters, my parents are together and my, I have a very close knit family, good. which I think that I've really benefited from. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Do me a favor and thank your uncle for me and tell him welcome home. The, I will. The Vietnam veterans, I will tell you, I get it. There's things I get emotional about. Dave just looked at me. He's like, oh, God, here she goes. Because every time <laughs> I talk about the Vietnam veterans, I get emotional, right? Because they have come through for families like mine in ways that are unbelievable. I mean, literally just put themselves out there. And I'm like, if there's ever a generation or a community that could have just been like up yours, you know, we dealt with it. Now you deal with it. Right? Yeah. No, they want to do anything they and everything to make sure my generation is com- is comfortable. Yeah. You know, they've done so much to improve, you know, so many different things that, you know, that we're still improving on, but they wouldn't be where they are today if it weren't for Vietnam veterans. Absolutely. And some of them have directly impacted my boys, myself. They're still, they're like, they're family to us now. And they were strangers. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't, I can't imagine my life without these people in it now. And they're just extraordinary people. So yeah, I love that you, I'm like, when I, when you said you had an uncle Vietnam vet, I'm like, oh, he's good. He's got that mentor, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I know what they're like. I know. Like, they're not going to let you, let you go down. Right. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So was there something that somebody said to you at any point, like through your, your path here, that was like particularly helpful to you, like that kind of got through? Well, so there were, there were several things that happened, but I, you know, the most, the biggest moment I had in my life was, so I'm going through this depression. I'm not living a good life. I'm just not anybody that I would be hanging around with today. And I walked into my living room and my three kids were sitting on the couch and I realized to my two boys, I'm showing them what a man is and that's what they're going to become one day. And to my little girl, I'm showing how a man's supposed to act. And that's what she's going to look for one day. So that terrified me. And I knew I had to make a change. Now it didn't happen immediately, but every time I would screw up, and fall flat on my face. My, my first thought was my kids. And that was my motivation to get up and go further, push harder. And things just got better and better and better. So no, I, my children, I owe everything to because they keep me motivated. They keep me grounded and they have done so much for me that I never realized. Yeah, that's how it is. Right. And they the best part is most of the time they don't even know they're doing it. Like that's the beauty of it. Like they're just yeah. being themselves and they take you back and they help you live in that moment and they make you just get up and like, well, you know, I got to get up because these kids, these yeah. babies, they need me. Like there's, yeah. <laughs> there's no alternative. <laughs> right. So, so you're a dad, you have a daughter and two sons. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you how you feel about this. Cause you have both now that my kids my, are older and you know dating girls and 
I see all these dads out there, especially the veteran dads are like, I got my gun. Just let somebody come for my girl. You know, I'm going to make sure I scare the shit out of them and tell them this or that, that, um, you know, how do you feel about that? Because you also, you're, you got both, right? You're the dad with this, that's going to have a boy, pick your girl up for a date one day. And you're the dad whose sons are going to go get picked up. Like, what, yeah. if, what if they go pick up a girl? Like how, like, where are you at that? You know, I'm not real sure when it comes to my daughter, she's my 10 yeah. year old. Uh, I, I'm pretty scared of her. So I don't think <laughs> I don't have to do anything to protect her. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Um, my boy is like, you know, they're at the age now, 12 and 15, that they have girlfriends. Uh, my oldest, I see, he just, he has a big heart. I worry about him getting his heart broke. And then my middle son, I'm trying to convince him, trying to let him know that, hey, if you talk to a whole bunch of girls, word gets around. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then, you know, and then my daughter is just, she has little boys eating out of the palm of her hand. So, I don't, yeah, I'm, I haven't really, because they're not, they're not there she's yet. not dating yet. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's, I can joke about it. I don't know what I'm going to do when she gets a little older. Yeah, that's true. I can tell you when your kid gets his heart broke the first time, like I'm, so. I'm like the opposite. I'm like, listen, you little hussies, you better stay away from my boys, you know, and stop breaking <laughs> hearts, you know, um, yeah. you know, I've experienced that on the other end and man, my kids are like, mom, it's okay. I'm like, yeah, no, it's not, man. Like, it's <laughs> <not>. <laughs> Let's go to their house. <laughs> yeah. You know, you gotta, I might've done a drive-by, but um, <laughs> I kept the car going, you know, but you can't help it. And I think especially like when you're a single parent, maybe you're, I think that's maybe jacked up. Like that sense, that protective sense is like, like on high alert, you know? Oh like, yeah. Well, I mean, not just dating. I'm just, I'm always worried about who they're friends with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. then it's like, I might luck out and have the good kids that's hanging around the bad kids, but I don't want to take that risk. I was like, no, you you make me feel more comfortable and hang out with decent people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So now i got to ask you just a question that popped into my head when I was, you know, doing my research on you. And I watched a clip on Ellen and I saw her like, all right, man, can you do 20 push-ups in 20 seconds? I think she gave <laughs> Like, yeah. I got to know, like, did you know she was going to do that? And what was your, like, I'm at 20 push-ups in 20 seconds. Um, I don't know. I think she talked to someone on my team probably to make sure I could do push-ups. And they're okay. like, yeah, he's got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the man, great thing was. The guy on the spot, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, she had asked me for her team was trying to find out for my team what it is I wanted. I mean, she was willing to buy me a car, whatever I needed. And I was like, I'm good. Like, I'm good. And then I asked, well, if she wants to give, donate to my charity, because then it'll go to these good things. So that's what she did. You know, as you saw from the clip, she donated $10,000 to my charitable fund. So that money went to great use with veterans and my local YMCA. But yeah, the push-ups weren't a challenge at all. All right. That's good. So (laughs) now that you brought that up, that was on my list to talk to you about um, your, is your, your nonprofit, your charity. Can Mm -hmm. you, Tell us about that and how you started it, why so, you started it. Yeah, so it's a, it's a charitable fund right now. I've looked into possibly making it its own entity, but right now it's a third party that runs it. I saw too many organizations that claimed to be doing what they said they were doing, but they weren't. And it just yeah. always bothered me. So then when I came across good organizations, instead of putting all my effort into trying to battle these bad guys, I was like, no, let's build up the good guys. And so my charitable fund donates to my local lines the youth programs there it's enduring warrior that's out of richmond but they all over the tree run races uh injured veterans and uh homes for our troops that build uh handicap accessible homes for injuries so i saw great things in these organizations and that's just where i've stuck it is money goes to those organizations to, to help what they're doing because i see that they're doing good things I love that. And I think that's another smart way to go. There are so many, but even I've seen in the past 10 years, the whole landscape change. There are so, where 10 years ago, there were only a handful of organizations established to help veterans or families of the fallen. Now there's one popping up everywhere. And there are so many that do the same thing and they're all competing for the same funds. And, um, yeah. A lot of them are great and a lot of them are not great, right? And so 
I know. There's a lot of noise out there. It so. is hard, you know. I'm, I'm the, because of that. I'm uh, that if I go through, if I'm at the grocery store and they're like, "Hey, do you want it to this organization?" I always felt like a jerk as I say no because if I haven't looked up that organization, no, yes. I am not donating to it. Yeah, I I get it, and I'm like, I got comfortable. I had to just tell myself, I'm like, look. I am this degree of an asshole and I got to just own it. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm okay. I'm like, if I know that it's with a purpose, um, I'm there too, because I've seen it abuse and I've seen people abuse like our families for their mm-hmm. own personal gain. And I'm this, I'm very protective of, of the people that these organizations are professing to serve. And so for that reason, I'm comfortable now same but maybe that's from i'm from new york too like you guys are much <laughs> yeah no in alabama it's always yeah. like i have Did to he try say to, no like noah galloway said no <laughs> yeah. i try to redirect the conversation <laughs> <laughs> that's great that is excellent all right so all of these things started to happen to you it feels like after you made the cover of men's health so how did that, like, how did men's health, how did, did you just get a call one day? Like, why? No, so they, they, men's health had always had a celebrity on the cover and they decided yeah. for the first time ever, ever, they wanted someone who wasn't a celebrity and they wanted to find the ultimate guy. So they did 1300 people entered and what? I entered it a month late and shot the first place. And then the judges kind of went back and forth on whether or not, then they started narrowing down the field to 150 and then 10. And I was only one of the top 10 that was in the original online top 10 because the online voting only made up 10% of the decision. So I was like, well, I'm not going to make it. Then it narrowed down to three. Three of us went to New York, did a photo shoot, left, came back a month later, live on the Today Show. They announced the winner and I made it. And it, it was the first issue that they ever had a veteran, ever had an amputee. It, they, they won all kinds of awards. And within a couple of days is when Ellen's people called me and said, look, we want you, but you can't do any more interviews between now and next week. And I was like, uh, okay. Because I knew, <laughs> like, this is where you yeah, want to yeah, be. Yeah. You know, and everybody yeah. said, if you go on Ellen, you're set. And yeah. so I go on there. And as soon as that episode aired, it, I mean, everyone started calling me. And then I was turning them down because I was trying to be protective of the kids. And I never thought anything would, would stick. And I never, when Dancing with Stars called, I told them I've heard of their show. I'd never seen it. And they're like, do you dance? I'm like, no. <laughs> so <laughs> they were like, well, we want you. And then when I told them I couldn't leave the state for that long, they were like, all right. So they sent Shauna Burgess, my dance partner, to Birmingham. We rehearsed, flew back and forth all the time. And ended up doing all 10 weeks and coming in third. In fact, I had the top two dances in the history of Dance with the Stars, the most viewed dances. Wow, who would have ever thought, right? If somebody had told you, when you're laying in the hospital at Christmas and you're looking around, if someone had come in and be like, don't worry, Noah, you're dancing with the stars. Like, what would you, you know, and it's I, so, crazy, you, I, so I, absurd, isn't it? <laughs> it's, like, I, it's so crazy that I've thought about <laughs> if I could go back in time yeah. And go into my hospital room, I would be afraid to tell myself that because I credit the struggles I went through into the man I am today. If I hadn't have gone through that depression and if I hadn't have struggled, I wouldn't change any of that because I have a better appreciation for so many things now. Yeah, it's true. You can come through something, um, you know, with a with a fine-tuned sense of gratitude and appreciation mm-hmm. and and like the stuff that used to just irritate the crap out of you doesn't so much anymore. Um, other stuff does <laughs> instead, right? But <laughs> so let's talk about your book, Living with No Excuses. And very rarely, back in the day, I used to be able to get everybody's book and like read it before I interviewed them. Fortunately for us, we're interviewing so many people now. I can't keep up. Good. That's a good thing. But I'd still yeah. want to get your book and read your book because the more I even heard you talk about it, I'm like, this is a book that I can like personally gain value from too. So I'm going to do a little backwards and get it, but I want to hear from you uh, about, about your book. Like how did you, every, I don't know how many people come to me uh, after I put my books out. They're like, I've always wanted to write a book, right? I'm like, well then write the damn book, you know? Um, yeah, 
Well, you know, so I do that. So I did, I met a woman, a newscaster out of Atlanta years ago. It was one of my first interviews. She was doing a thing with a NASCAR driver and he wanted some veterans there. And then she met me and she's she's like, you got a pretty interesting story. So we stayed in contact and then she reached out to me. She did a story on me. And when I read the written part, for some reason, I was like, if I ever do a book, she's going to help me write it. Well, then like 10 years went by and all this attention happened or no, like five or six years. And I met all these other people that were saying, I want to write you a book. I want to write you a book. And I kind of just say, okay, I'll let you know. But when the day came, I decided it was, I wanted to do it. I called this, I called Rebecca Bayer and I said, I want you to help me write this. And she was the best choice I made because awesome. if, even if I wasn't in the mood to talk, we'd get on the phone and she was able to ask the right questions. And I just start talking and tell these stories of my childhood, of the military, of being injured, of all these great things, dancing with the stars. It was all after dancing with the stars. And I credit her and it being a good book because it's it's been a really, people have really enjoyed it because if you've ever gone through depression, you don't have to be a veteran. You don't have to have lost an arm or leg. Or if you know, you're going to see that in some of these chapters, but it's not all depression. I am very open and honest. There is one chapter that's 10 days in the county jail. So I share some <laughs> things that I'm not proud of, but are yeah. part of the story. But then there's also funny stories of my childhood, things about Dancing with the Stars. I really enjoyed it. And in fact, I would like to do another one now because I feel like so much was left out of other stories that I want to yeah. share. And it was just, it's been a great experience to have written something and people to have read it and reach out to you and know so much about your story. You're listening to the American Snippets Podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here again, real quick, and we'll get right back to this week's episode. But first, I wanted to let you know about an offer that we just put out there. It's your chance to get a free t-shirt from American Snippets in conjunction with our brand new community called The Great American Syndicate. The Great American Syndicate is for proud, grateful, patriotic Americans, and most importantly, driven Americans who have that entrepreneurial spirit, people who want to pursue more out of life and live their own version of the American dream. Our community is all about connection, collaboration, and contribution. So if you want to claim your free t-shirt, all you have to do is pay shipping and handling. Go to greatamericansyndicate.com. Supplies are limited, so act now. I know that, you know, your driving reason, you've said, uh, for getting that book out there is to connect with and help other people going through. Yes. When I, you know, when I mentioned that, you know, there's some embarrassing things in it, it was hard to go over some of those stuff with Rebecca as we wrote the book. And then the day before the the books hit the shelves, I remember I did an interview with someone that after we were done, she's like, we're off the record. She said, but I am concerned that you're so worried about this book coming out. I said, because these people that saw me on Dance with the Stars, you know, they like that I'm a Southern gentleman. I was this nice guy. They're going to see a side of me they're not going to like, and they're going to hate me. And then she made me feel better and said, no, you were real. You were honest. She said when she got a copy of the book, she thought it was going to be another, look how great I am. And she said, I didn't do that. And she appreciated it. So she made me feel much better. And that's what people saw in it. I was brutally yeah. honest. Yeah, I think you have to be. That's the tack, that, you know, that's the path I took when I wrote my first one too. And I get it. Like, it's not easy. I put stuff in there that I'm totally ashamed about and I still I carry guilt over. But I think if someone's going to, if you want somebody to buy into you and to know that you can help them or you have a message or to like feel your story, you got to, you have to be real. You, you can't do. just you be like, be vulnerable. You oh, I woke show. up on Christmas and I struggled, but then I found my way and everything's great now. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. No, who, like, who would relate to, yeah, yeah. lost on the leg, went on mental yeah. health, that's with the stars. Yeah. <laughs> You know, no right. one relates to that. <laughs> right. But most everybody, especially who's struggled, you know, with tough times can deal with, you know, drinking through the night and having these decisions mm-hmm. you made. I love that even on your Instagram. I love that. So while I'm a big fan of positivity and saying like focus and like never lose your way, like I, it can't be all that. So I love, I think you're at the one thing you're like, let's just, dude, chill out, like binge your Netflix and let's all come out of this together. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all get fat together. We'll come out yeah. of this, we'll get the same workout routine, <laughs> like, and then we'll be all healthy. <laughs> because, you know, most people, like, 
not everybody has to be all in a hundred percent all the time. Like go, 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 go. You know, people have to, like, there's a balance to be had. And I love there that is, you're, yes. that you're like, just right out there. Like, it's okay. You don't have to like, you know, fast for 20 hours today and get up and <laughs> 19 hour day every day, like take a day. You got this. Yeah. It's, I think that's a super important, especially for people who already feel bad about themselves. Like they're already failures. Like now you can't make them feel like they're failing the apocalypse. Like you get when like my, my kids, like, you know, yeah. we're, we're going to be homeschooling, but I don't see any reason in rushing them right now. You know, it's just let them relax because their whole world is flipped upside down. Let's yeah. not overstimulate them with too much at one time. My, two of my sisters are teachers and they they said that they have gotten just bombarded by parents that are stressed out. What should we do with the kids? And they're like, calm down. You know what I mean? Like, relax. It, you'll, you'll ease into it. And it'll yeah. be fine. Me and the kids are actually excited about it. Yeah. Right now, my I only have one son left at home in high school the other three you know all college is all shut so mm -hmm. but the high school is just doing assignments and the colleges are doing online classes and yeah it's the same thing everyone's like uncertain right like how what is going to happen but i don't know i'm not people are like why aren't you worried i'm like i don't know because i figure so it's going to sort itself out like we're going to it's going to suck and then it's not going to suck anymore. Like, we're yeah. going to get, you know, and, you know, and that's why, like, I, I had told my parents the other day, I was like, they're asking my opinion. I was like, I don't know. You know, it could go, this could be so bad that this affects us for a year, you know? And they're like, what? I was like, I don't know. I don't know any more than you do, but if I plan for a year and this is over in a month, well, I'm good. But if I plan for a year and things go bad and it takes six months, Guess who's less stressed out? It's yeah. me who's expecting a year. I, do I think this will last a year? No, but I'm planning it that way. Yes. So anything different is a bonus. Hope for the best, prepare for the worst kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. All right. So, but what are some fun things you do or what are some things you're doing like to keep, because we've been in this quarantine time now for, I don't even, whatever, a couple been, weeks and we've got 30 days. So yeah. Feels like what are you guys months. doing? Yeah. <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of baby. I'm like, there's gonna be two things, two things are gonna happen in nine months. There's gonna be a lot of babies born, and there's gonna be a lot divorces. of divorces. Yes. yes. Yep. For sure. Um sometimes both saying. of those things. Yes, you are, right? Yeah. I know. We're gonna by the way, I forgot um, to tell you we have an American snippets most eligible um bachelor. So we're gonna put you on the list. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I thought you were gonna try to hook me up. I was like, no, I hope that's my type. I mean, if you want to, I can. If you want me to, I can. I got plenty of, plenty of friends. Um, I'll bring you into the. Um, widow community. Do it. I'll bring you into the widow community. There you go. <laughs> I don't know if I should laugh at that or not. Yeah, you can. You can. You the widows, I think, have a better sense of, or just a sick sense of humor. As oh well. yeah, actually, I bet. I bet. not all of us, but some of us do. I was like politely asked to to leave one of the chat rooms at one point because me and one of my widow friends we rewrote christmas carols to you know to suit widows the first christmas and you know people don't like the word mm. autopsy in the 12 words of christ the 12 days of christmas oh. right? <laughs> well. like but yeah so <laughs> you could hang um all right so what is some advice that you would have for somebody now we you and i talked before we started recording this that uh, when you're dealing with depression in particular one of the things that you that happens that sets you back is isolation right one of the things that people who suffer from depression go deeper into is when they just cut themselves off from the world and now everybody's being told cut yourself off from the world like stay home don't go well, out isolation but here we are in a in 2020 yeah we have facetime we have zoom skype telephones we all are connected and, you know, if you know, I, you know, I, I stress to people all the time, if you know somebody that's gone through depression before, reach out to them, you know, and if you have gone through depression, do not close yourself off just because you're home, sit outside, you know, get them, what is it, vitamin D you get yeah. from the sun, you know, you gotta, don't close yourself, in yourself off in the bedroom, make phone calls, connect with people. My mom has said that she's heard more from me in two weeks than she does in a year, <laughs> you know, because I've, I've called them. Uh, I answer okay. when she calls now. I don't know what no, I'm doing, no, but I just crazy. do it. 
<laughs> uh, three times I've driven by and told him, hey, just sit out. Y'all come outside. And I heard my dad was sitting on the tailgate of his truck. And I just pulled up and sat in my Jeep and talked to him for about an hour. Oh, I um, love that. Because I do. Yeah. We got to stay in con- Even if we're staying away from everybody, right. there's no reason we can't connect like we're doing right now. Yeah. And, you know, if, if people go to depression, they and there's there's some good helplines out there that people need to look yeah. into that if they're going through depression, this is a tough time for a lot of people. And we need to be aware of that and check on each other. When you were going through the, you know, the, the deepest periods of that, was there something people would say to you, like trying to help, but really just kind of like cut you the wrong way. that just irritated you that made it. Not that I remember. Uh, I think I was convinced I was hiding a lot from everybody, but I wasn't. And I think they weren't real sure how to address it. You know, and I wasn't running around with anybody that really cared <laughs> if I was getting better. So yeah. it's when I got back into, you know, because I went through a break, you know, not talking to my family as much and everything. Once I brought that back in and then admitted that I was struggling, then they felt comfortable enough to say, OK, we're here for you. You know what I mean? The hardest thing I went through was just admitting I was struggling. Oh, that's super interesting that, yeah, because... That that is a hang up, right? That can hold you. Do you think it was like a relief to your friends and family? Or like, oh my God, thank God we don't have to keep yes, pretending so. anymore. Like I think they didn't know how to react to yeah. it. Uh it wasn't so much over the top that was worth, you know, having an intervention. Yeah. But it still wasn't me. I wasn't Noah. So right. they needed to help me regain who I was as a person and get back to being the goofy guy they know. Yeah. So I saw something you said in one of your interviews that was like really intense, but it just struck me. And I love to take things and, like, and apply them in a hundred different ways. And this thing you were saying, we were talking about a moment you had in Iraq when you're on a rooftop and you're looking down at people and thinking, I can either save can you either or destroy, destroy you, you or I can or, save you. Yeah. I mean, that's like it was the- heavy stuff, right? And it's so honest. And I think, and yeah, talk us through that minute and or that moment. And well, you know, it's just one of those moments yeah. that I mean, I I can see it perfect, plain as day, as standing on the roof of that building overlooking this village, and just having this the most masculine moment of my life. You know that I controlled this. You know, and of course, I wasn't the ruler, but I right. felt like I just had this power, and I think that that was something I had to regain after I was injured. Because, yeah, I mean, realistically, I'm still, you know, the same guy, but I'm missing two limbs. But I felt like I'd lost that tough side of me. And that's what pushed me into doing all those crazy races. I do Oscar course race. I did one race that was 58 hours long. You know, it's like I was just trying to prove myself to myself that I still had it. And then once I did that, then I was like, okay, well, I don't need to keep destroying my body you know, (laughs) and, and back off, but it was, I needed that. That was, those races were necessary for me to regain that, that power that I felt on the roof of that building. Yeah. That's crazy. Do you ever think like you can look in the mirror and say that to yourself every day? Like I can either save you or or destroy, you know, destroy your savior, right? It's like the same, like the same, we all have that we all have that choice, right? Oh, I'm going to steal that idea from that, that applies that to you. Oh, great. Thank you, man. <laughs> People are going to be like, damn, that guy is so wise. All right. He's such That's a wise okay. man. He's such a wise, wise man. Yeah. All right. Um, I had this next question I was going to ask, and now you just, my mind, it took it away from me. But that's all right. Um, so, yeah, when you do go do talks, you do speak. Do you stick mostly in, in schools and with kids or do you go corporations? Do you go? Oh yeah. I mean, corporate, I, I do more corporations than anything. Yeah. Cause I'll talk about, you know, it could be motivational leadership, things like that. You know, I, yeah, I, in fact, it's been, I love the more drastic, the changes to the group I'm speaking to. Like if I'm speaking to a corporation, I want to know who they are, what their tagline is for the conference. When I go to schools, what is it they want to get across? If it's universities, what I love, speaking and sharing my story, especially when I get to share with a group of people that, you know, can benefit from it. And yeah, the speed, they're, they're slightly different when you're speaking to second graders in corporate America, but the same basis to it is the same. Yeah. 
True. All right. Um, so if there was something that you could like let people in this country, like a message or a feeling that you would like to like give out to your fellow Americans, not like in a political way, but just like mm-hmm. one person to another, we're all going through, actually globally, we're going through this, right? But um, no. like what we can do in our countries and our communities, like to, to you get know, to I, You know, I would say the same thing that we've all heard, you know, that uh, things always get better. I think that just like I used to compare to my depression, you know, uh, when I eventually saw the light at the end of the tunnel, then it didn't matter how miserable I was in that tunnel. I had a direction. I had a place to go. And right now, I think people need to concentrate on, you know, hey, here's an opportunity if you're home to start new healthy habits, you know, reconnect with your family, whatever it is you need to do, or, you know, learn to not be too close to each other. Me and my kids had to discuss what it was like to not bug each other. <laughs> but I think that, um, yeah, things are going to get, they're, they're tough right now and they may get worse, but there is always a light at the end of the tunnel. And we need to just keep that in our heads, in our minds, in our hearts, and just keep pushing through what we're going through and being, look, it's bringing people together. Here we are, we're isolating, but I feel like we're coming together. And that's, I love to look at the good things in life. And that's what I see happening. And it makes me feel good. I could not agree more. All right. Here at American Snippets, you know, we started this um, largely because we wanted to be part of the solution to a problem we saw, which was this country was being overtaken by negativity and divisiveness, right? (laughs) So we thought we'd bring some helpful messages and positive, powerful, patriotic messages, you know, out the same, those stories and these people, like me and people like you helped me so much, we figured you know, let's pay that forward and bring you to other people, right? So what's important to us is we believe that the American dream is not dead and distant and a and a memory, right? We think it's alive and well and everybody has an opportunity to get it. But what we make sure to differentiate, what a lot of people get stuck on, we found, is that they think that we're cramming our idea of the American dream down on them. Like it all has to be the same, one cookie cutter version of the American dream. And once we get people talking, we like to, like, they, they figure it out and they, they, they realize they can have their own version of the American mm-hmm. Yeah. So that leads us, the long-winded wind-up, to the question. I will ask you, like, what is your version, your idea of the American dream? Well, I mean, my American dream is what I'm living right now. I have three incredible children. Okay. You know, I have a nice home and a nice neighborhood. Um, I'm not hurting for anything. I mean, I can always have more, you know, I keep saying I eventually want a pool, but I don't have one, but who cares? I'm happy. (laughs) And I feel like if, if I were to go back in time and could see my future now, I would be very excited about it. So my American dream is just the family I have, uh, and the country that we're in and the things that are available you know, of course, right now it's a little different, but we'll get back there. But um, no, I I am happy with where I am. I think I'm I'm living my American dream right now. Awesome, great, Noah. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with us today and share your story um, with our community. We'll go. You know, we'll put this out on our podcast like we do with everybody else. Um, you know, so we'll get to share it again in a couple of different ways and I'll do my little write up on you. Um, and it'll be fun, but is there any last message you'd like to, to send out to everyone before we sign you off? Where well, can people find uh, you? No, I appreciate you. I forgot to ask you that. What? Where can people connect with you online? Instagram, oh, okay. Instagram. Yes. Well, so I'm glad you said that because me too. I've been forgot. isolated. Yeah. I've been tweeting so much. I never tweeted before. Now I'm tweeting all the time. <laughs> oh, no. But I, you know, I'm on Twitter. It's at Noah underscore Galloway. And then both my Instagram and my Facebook are Noah Galloway Athlete. All three of them are certified, check mark, whatever it is. So they're all there if you see that. And then, of course, NoahGalloway.com. And there's a link, I think, or on Amazon. You can buy the book. I also did my own audio book if you're interested in that. You want to keep hearing me talk to you? <laughs> yeah, you got that but, little southern um, twang that New Yorkers like to listen yeah. to. Yeah, but yeah, but that's that. And then also, Bart, thank you for having me on and for you. Um, 
your sacrifices you and your family have made. I greatly appreciate that. Y'all gave so much to this country and just talking to you, meeting you this way is an honor. So thank you. Yeah, it has been fun. I will point out though, you gave yours willingly. I did not. So I don't really feel like I should be thanked for it because <laughs> I didn't choose it. And you, you know, you rose, you know, you, you opted to go. So I got huge respect for you um, and everybody else that, you know, signs that dotted line and, and goes on in. And really, it, it does us so, so much good to see you doing well after your service, especially after what you've been through. Before we sign off, we do have some people listening here. And I got my note from Dave reminding me to remind you all to invite other people to this group that you think would find value in it. And let's keep this going. And maybe one day we'll get to have Noah come on back and answer specific questions from you all if we can hook them again. Noah, thank you again so much. You have an excellent rest of your night. You too. Okay, take care. All right, everyone, there you have it. That wraps up another episode of American Snippets. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I'd like to personally thank Noah Galloway for being here as well and sharing his amazing story. If you got any value out of today's episode, all that we ask is that you leave us a review on iTunes. Please drop us a five-star review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Let us know what you thought about the episode. Let us know what you thought about Noah Galloway's story. Share this podcast with a friend. Share it on social media. Make sure you tag us. Uh, we're all over social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, at American Snippets. Don't forget to visit americansnippets.com because we do a featured article on each one of our guests every week. You can watch the video interview there in its entirety, read the article, and we also drop some social media links there as well so you can follow Noah Galloway on his journey. We hope you stay safe and healthy. Now go out there and show the world how exceptional you truly are.